This is Darren Michael Shaw. In just these first three weeks of podcasting Chronicles of War, I'm thrilled to have subscribers from all over the United States, Seattle, Washington to Boston, Massachusetts, Chicago, Illinois to New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm truly amazed to have subscribers from around the world, England, France, Australia, and China. Thank you for listening to these podcasts of my book. If you're a subscriber, I'd love to hear from you. Please post a comment or review. Visit my website, www.darrenmichaelshaw.com, or drop me an email, darren at darrenmichaelshaw.com. Again, I really appreciate your downloading or subscribing to the story. With this segment, Episode 4, we pick up right where we left off the last time. And now, Chronicles of War. Three days after Christmas, Harriet spoke under her breath, clutching the letter to her chest. It was now January 3rd. That was the quickest yet that one of Job's posts had arrived. Read it again, Mother, Nancy Ann begged. Harriet read the letter a second time. As she revisited the parts about Job's marching, young Lewis sprung into formal step as if he were in their number. At the mention of the Christmas presents, Nancy Ann placed her hand on the cord necklace around her neck that her father had woven together for her. Mr. Dupree had indeed made it to the trite's house the evening before Christmas. His arrival with gifts from Job had made this Christmas more special than any in the family's memory. Fort Hinman stood some two miles inland from the swampy bivouac that Job Trites and the other Union soldiers had called home that Friday night. The advance against the fort would be nearly a steady incline. A half-mile shy of Fort Hinman, a network of rebel rifle pits and breastworks provided a last line of defense. These figured to be the most formidable obstacle to taking Arkansas Post. Simple math advised Churchill that the post was in peril. Roughly 6,000 rebel soldiers were under his command to protect Fort Hinman, while nearly 32,000 Union troops were forming beneath him. A dispatch to Churchill ordered that he and his men defend the post until reinforcements arrived or until the last man had died. Admiral Porter ordered a few of his ironclads upriver at sunup, passing the ford and drawing the attention of rebel artillery as Union troops began to take up their positions. The Union soldiers were to take their positions by 10 o'clock in the morning, though the actual advance wouldn't begin until nearly 1 in the afternoon. The terrain produced its own obstacles for Smith's regiment as they maneuvered into position. First there was the swamp and marsh to traverse. At the end of the marsh, a rather steep incline, thick with brush and moss, waited. They were to hold at the tree line for the general advance to begin. Beyond that tree line stood an open field, a field purposefully cleared before the rife pits and breastworks that defended the fort. The rife pits themselves were enveloped in trees and brush, allowing for clear rifle fire out, but extreme difficulty in firing in. Beyond that line of defenses stood another clearing before Fort Hinman, an unprotected approach staring straight into the southern casement of the fort and its biggest guns. Smith was experienced enough to know that these two clearings would be the most daunting challenge his company would face. The mood of the men was surprisingly upbeat. Word had circulated that General William Tecumseh Sherman himself was on hand to lead the men at the right flank of the advance. 
His name was well known. His presence, it seemed, gave credence to the importance of this mission. It was said that he had been in Vicksburg, but was dispatched here by General Grant to take Arkansas Post, a prelude to victory there. Job himself was thankful to be moving in a manner that made sense, no longer marching back and forth with no apparent destination in view. Job rested against a tree. They were in position. Now they had a three-hour wait. It was eerily quiet. It was a beautiful morning. The sun had not shined brighter and warmer since he left home. He took out his lead and scratch paper. My dearest, I am presently experiencing the proverbial calm before the storm. We're all going to die. I can promise you that. It's not a matter of if, but when. The question is, will you be ready when your time comes? The evangelist's words had a profound effect on Job. He wanted to be sure that his account with God was in order long before that day arrived. He was fourteen when he heard it. He went forward to be baptized that day, and had never really questioned his eternal destiny again. If anything, over the years, losing members of his family and friends, he had become more assured of his soul's salvation, and he managed an ever-tightening grip on where his future hopes were fixed. Job found it uncanny that now, twenty-five years later, the local parson had chosen to make that very same point in the farewell service for the members of the 26th VI. Brethren, we're all going to die, some in this war, some well afterwards, but we've all got a date with death. Are you ready? Just as the parson uttered those words, Job, for no apparent reason, looked to his left. His gaze met young Thomas's eyes. Yes, brethren, we're all going to die. Don't you forget it. The parson concluded his remarks. What do you make of that? Thomas would later ask Job as they bunked together at Kirkwood. Do you believe that we've all got a date with death? That we'll all meet our maker? Well, Thomas, I'm a rather simple man. I think the odds are very good that we will all die. Seems every human being does. It also seems that there's an amount of days allotted for each man to live. For instance, I've met men in their 70s and 80s, but none much older than that. We all die. What do you reckon it will be like? Young Thomas turned to give Job his rapt attention. Do you suppose we'll be conscious to what is happening? Job took a moment to ponder the question. Thomas seemed impatient, fidgeting and shifting his position in the bedroll as he waited for Job's response. I suppose I think it'll be like when we're born. You know, before we came into this world, before we were born into this world, we were in our mother's womb, happy and content with all the familiar surroundings. It was what we knew. Then we were born. We came out kicking and screaming. Somehow all that was warm, comfortable, and familiar to us was being replaced by the unknown. I don't get it, Thomas wrinkled his face in contemplation. Well, now here you are. How old are you? For eighteen years you've lived in this world. Knowing what you do now, you'd never want to trade this world back in for the womb. This is so much better. You came in kicking and screaming. All you wanted was to crawl back into that warm, familiar place. But now that you've tasted this life, you'd never go back. Thomas, I imagine that is what death will be like for us. Those of us who have embraced Christ, scary because it's unfamiliar, but greater still than we ever could have imagined once we arrive there.
So it's like the parson said, we're all going to die. Thomas rolled over to look at the sky. Well, we'll not likely be dying tonight, Thomas. Job smiled as he rolled over to close his eyes. We're all going to die, Mr. Trites. As Job passed the hours, he revisited Thomas's last words. Yesterday was Thomas's day, he thought to himself. Is today mine? As he considered the real possibility of death that war afforded men, he was surprised how calmly he could consider the subject. He wasn't afraid to die. He really had every confidence that his account was settled for eternity. A ball to the chest like young Thomas's, he thought, that would be the way to go, far better than a lesser wound and ensuing infection. That would take days or even weeks to take his life. His family, however, was his reason for needing to live. How would his dear wife and children carry on should something happen to him? Chronicles of War is a work of historical fiction. I'm Darren Michael Shaw, the author. Thank you for listening to this segment of the story. Please help me spread the word. If you're enjoying the story, please tell others about it. Send somebody a link or an invite to the podcast. You can find more information about me and others of my writing projects at my website, www.darrenmichaelshaw.com. And as I mentioned at the start, please drop me a comment or an email. I would love to make your acquaintance. As always, I look forward to bringing you the next episode of Chronicles of War. Until then, blessings and best wishes.